like it's weird to be on a show. Why would you guys start? We're not. We're not. We started. I mean, it hasn't. You know what I mean? It hasn't. It hasn't. Uh, (laughs) In that sense, it has. I mean, like, is there a ton of good content? Mm, Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of good stuff came out before you got here. Uh, (laughs) Well, guys, I got a hot take. I'm coming in hot. Oh, Oh, come on in. I'm coming in hot because I watched the episode this morning, and I do remember a tremendous amount of. of audience pushback on this particular episode, yep. uh, if I recall correctly. And my hot take is that they're all wrong. Mm. Oh, uh, I'm uh, with you. Not only uh, do I think uh, it's a great episode, I think it's one of the best episodes we've ever done. Now that's a hot take. That's a, that's a <laughs> that's hotter a hot take, take than I've got, but yeah. I, I think it's up there with that's a, with a very good episode. I think it's within the top five to 10 best oh, wow. episodes we've done. I'll wow. put it in the top it's, 20. It's one of my favorite cold opens ever. I think the cold open is <laughs> cold open's you, amazing. The cold open is funny because you stretch out that moment where you where you guys are doing something absurd for so long. Like well, we're talking about the picture of George Washington. Do you remember who we were saying it looked like that the network made us change and we switched it to Meryl Streep? <laughs> no. Oh. No, wait, wait, wait. Let me wait, let's that. try. Let's. Wow, I remember something you remember. Wow. Wait, let's try. Let's try and figure this out. Wait, so, 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 and they made us change it. Barbara Bush. Oh no, no. It has to be. It had to be somebody on FX, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> oh. Glenn Close? Glenn yes. Close. <laughs> because, because, of, because of damages. Yeah, damages because is huge. It does look a little like Glenn Close. It doesn't look anything like Meryl Streep. Not really. And it's not no. as funny. And that's my only... There's, all, there's only yes. two... There's only two things that I feel like keep it from being a perfect episode. That joke. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it, it should have been Glenn Close. It's so much better it's Glenn Close. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and my performance. Um and well mine and Danny's storyline but we'll get into that because there was a thing with that I but, do remember yeah, yeah. I, I do remember that too and I want I want to get your feelings on that now because yeah. in, in retrospect because I remember us I remember being a thing that we were talking about on the day trying to dial that in yeah we'll work to that but okay, like okay. in terms of the episode in general I, it's such a great premise these guys they have this bar and they want to get more customers so they say hey if we were just on a historical walking tour people would walk by our bar they come in they have some drinks that's right mm-hmm. and then they go to the historical society and tell this ridiculous tale and then well it, i don't it, know i do i, I just said I, I love that that basically what we're saying to her is we had a direct hand in our bar had a direct hand in why the liberty bell was cracked Right, and, and then, she goes, and then well, the whole, tell me about I love, it. I love that. So I love the way. She, of course, she's, she would be. She's so terrific. good. She's so good. She's terrific. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's, so she's a woman that works at the historical society, and we're saying we're coming in with a, a fresh story well, on no how this happened. And, and she was bell, and so know. excited to hear it. But yeah, then we don't tell, we don't tell a story about how the Liberty Bell get cra- got cracked until the very very end, and it's yeah. just these two dudes. And yeah. I think they were weren't they like stunt guys or whatever, and they were carrying that thing, and the one guy's like, "Oh shit, bro, broke." We just broke the Liberty Bell. To me, it's firing on all cylinders. Where it's I don't know. If, I don't know if I feel as strongly uh, about it as you guys do. Well, I liked it. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, and just I from a, a lot, but. purely entertaining standpoint, the fact that we got the production quality of the show to. Kind of pull that off. Yeah, another Shackman very episode. Matt very Shackman expensive. killed it. Was yeah, expensive. this was yeah. a big swing for no, us. No, the, the Patty set looked outstanding. Yeah, yeah. but really the two good. of you guys and David and uh, and Caitlin are firing on all cylinders. I'll say that Danny, my storyline isn't as strong as you guys' storyline. That is like, true. There's not like much happening there, so I think maybe that just kicks it out of maybe one of the best we've done. But God damn it, I. I laughed beginning that. Yeah. I think that whole gun sequence is so funny though. The gun when when, is funny, she, really. when she's going to shoot the pumpkin <laughs> off of his head, and then you guys are checking if the guns work by pointing them at each by other, firing, pulling the trigger, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you pose <laughs> to take one. It's like oh, so funny. Charlie asking how she could have possibly talked you into this, Frank, and he's like, maybe it was her necromancy Rich. and yeah. she was like he Damn asked me woman. to shoot the guns and I said yes that's it that's why he we're here I like that they're slightly simpler people they're even simpler than our characters which are already simple <laughs> I mean your your reaction to Cricket saying but you don't really think she's a witch like it's totally oh, earnest like yeah. no yeah no no pretty sure she is yeah, yeah, pretty, 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 yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. pretty sure yeah pretty sure that sequence uh, too, where where he says, "I'm not very good with women," and you guys are like, "Wait, oh, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. good at women? With, good <laughs> like, with women? Explain this good, at them. 
<laughs> <laughs> them, they don't have any rights. Oh, just, take her. just catch them. Just, just, just grab one and take her. When, like, so funny. You're kind of going be- between like a bullshit story that these guys are telling, but also like who they would have been in this time, which yeah, is totally. fun to see. Yes. And the fact that they're like, well, the first thing we're going to do is try to get on the British side is so yeah, so fitting incredible. to the characters. Yeah, it works yeah. great, man. Also fitting to Dee that she wants independence unless the dependence comes with land and gowns <laughs> yes. and jewelry, yeah. Yeah. in which case she's totally fine being married to some guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Although she's got to work up to kissing him. Do you guys have any <laughs> recollection, though, of like pitching this episode or like how we got to wanting to do, I mean, for where we were at with the show. Mm-hmm. It is a big swing, which is yeah. probably why it was jarring to audiences, which is like they have to, you know, suspend their disbelief beyond what they're already doing. But like, I don't even remember how we can't, like now it would seem normal to be like, yeah, we might do one like that. But at the time, we must I, have I been can thinking, tell you where, where I do understand the audience's ire. I, I, I would say that what as the maker of stuff, I like to stretch and do different things. Yep. That makes it fun. Mm-hmm. But as a, as a as a fan or as a viewer of a show, I actually sometimes do get frustrated when they get outside of the norm of what the episode like what the episodes are. Johnny I keep, cakes. Yeah. Yes. Example. <laughs> well, that's, a great, that's a great example. Yeah. In in the Sopranos or the or the oh. episode where Tony moves to is a dream sequence and moves to Los Angeles and becomes yeah. like an average guy. Sure. You're watching it and you're oh, like, yeah. oh, I get why this is exciting to them because it's different and they yeah. get to stretch and tell a story in a different way. The fly episode, very no, famously you in Breaking You want to see the Fonzie in the leather coat punch the jukebox Absolutely. and make it work. You don't want to see him jump over the sharks. Yeah. But I will say though about this episode, we're not doing that. It's They're just telling a tale. Right, so that's why for me it's still, that's why it works yeah. because yeah. because it's our characters making something up and visualizing ourselves. They're just telling the, the story, and then the story. audience gets to go along with. The I'm story. just playing devil's advocate. They're dead wrong. The audience is wrong. <laughs> no, I think to be angry and creeps and by the way, who disagree, you can fuck off. It's way, our show, right? Know, no, learn, learn something today. Learn that you're wrong. Um, no, but like, uh, but. That's why the people tune into the podcast. Let's yeah, they want to learn. Berated. Let's give credit to the berated. many millions of people who, who I'm sure love that episode too. I don't want to say that. My dad loves that. Loves the episode. It's one of his favorite episodes. Uh, I got to ask him why that is. I don't know. I think he. I think he actually appreciated that we took like a weird historical angle on on things. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that it's hated. I think it's just polarizing. I think people either really like it or they don't like it, and they skip that one in like the rotation. Let me throw this in there that if if you're one of those creeps or 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 listeners that skips that episode when you do a rewatch, give it another shot. You know, yeah. you might your your opinion on it may have changed, or maybe not. I don't know. You may still come out the other side hating it, but uh, <laughs> give it another shot. Well, I don't remember the breaking of it at all. I don't remember how it got pitched in the room, or um, I don't I mean, even remember feeling like, oh, this is a big swing. Or I think it started with the the concept of trying to get patties on. A historical tour to drum yeah. up business. Like I think that's how it started, and then, and then I think it went to like, well, what if we actually tell the story? Like, what if we actually do an episode that takes place <laughs> in the time that our characters are referring to? Uh-huh. Uh, I, I do believe that that is how it evolved, and I think we got very excited because we were like, oh, that would be really fun and totally different. So I remember. So here's my thing with my performance in that, which I'm going. There's different takes of me playing it kind of much more like Charlie Kelly yeah. and then me playing it like this, this kind of like, you know, monstrously dumb, yeah. like frighteningly dumb guy. Right. <laughs> which was my initial instinct, which was to be like, okay, what would the 1776 version of this guy who's already an idiot be like? How, how kind of base could yeah. I make the guy? Yeah. If you're illiterate in 2005, yeah. what would you be in 1776? But you guys were just doing your characters in those costumes, right? Well, like, sort, of, sort of. We were we were hopping in and out. Like we, right, we, right. We you would, do the eye and stuff, but like you're not. We would be like our, sort of like heightened versions of, uh, you know, and then and then something would happen. I'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, good one, nice one. Yeah, which, right, right, you know, right. Like, yeah, yeah. good one, which um, yeah, that's another <laughs> great moment. And I had done a full day, I think, or like full couple scenes uh-huh. of that, and then you guys kind of pulled me aside and be like, hey, I feel like. I'm not seeing any Charlie. Ke- I remember you saying, I think you were being nice and trying to like soften the blow, but being like, you're doing such a good job. I don't see any of your character in there. Mm-hmm. It was um, like you're playing a different character. You're playing a different Actually, character. to Shackman's credit, he was the one that was picking up on it first. Oh. He's such a great director. And yeah. he like came to us and was like, I think I'm, 
look, I never, he never wants to get in the way of any of our performances, ah. right? So I remember him saying, I don't want to step on Charlie's performance because it's great, but I'm not seeing a ton of Charlie Kelly in there. What do you guys think? And I remember us discussing it and then bringing it to you. Yeah. And he and you guys were dead right. I think it would have, that my side of the story would work better if I just played it straight like Charlie Kelly. Um, I could be wrong, but like, I think I didn't need any thing beyond just me and Frank being me and Frank in different costumes with furs and pumpkins. Yeah, I think I, like, I think I recall it feeling it feeling a little like a hat on a hat, right? Like I was like, it's already really funny what you guys are doing right. and saying and it's all, you know, and then, yeah, it, I, I think that's how, I think that's how I felt about it. Cause I, I, I remember also agreeing that I actually liked what you were doing. I right. just felt like it would be funnier if you didn't do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I know. And like, uh, it was one of those things too, where it's it's hard to know, right? We don't know the and there are no rules, right? Like cricket is a completely different guy, but it works because he's this British guy, and it's this like fantasy of cricket. Um, <laughs> also, the way you guys treat him is similar. Yeah, and the way to we treat like, him is similar. Do right? not being interested yeah, in yeah. him and calling and him it, crazy ugly. <laughs> it might even be me too, being like, well, there's not the storyline is like we're trying to buy a, a pumpkin, and then there's the funny thing with the guns, but like there's not much to that storyline. So try to make more out of it, but. You can really see it in the very fir the first time you speak. So it's it was probably an early take in that first scene. Fuck Gentlemen, what says you of my fine furs here? Merrily, I'd be able to guide you towards some interest in some purchase. I can't understand what you're saying. You want to buy a fur? Yeah. You can see you going for it there. But I find myself watching it and remembering that entire sequence happening and then going, oh, man, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a whole episode of yeah, that. that. Yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's the same. Oh, same. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd, so, like, I'd love to do a side-by-side, -side, like do it, yeah, like if there was a cut of like full that. You know, versus like what we wound up doing was that I would do one take as that, and then several takes were that dialed so way that down. So that we had the option. But then what wound up happening, I think, because we had one day of shooting where it was fully that, is that it's kind of in and out of that. Like sometimes it's that, sometimes it's not that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think it, I it think doesn't it totally doesn't not. Me. It doesn't. It, it doesn't feel completely disjointed. I see it because I know what yeah. we did. No, oh, and it's fine because we're all doing some characters at times and then dropping it. But yeah. um, I, that rewatching it, being like, yeah, no, I feel like you guys were totally right. Like it should have been like just do it as Charlie Kelly. Well, so do you guys remember? So uh, when I, I do remember when we were, when we were uh, writing the episode or breaking the episode, talking about what we wanted those guns to look like. Uh -huh. And and we very specifically, you and I had the same image. I, I you, no, you all of been. us did. When you yeah. say blunderbuss, yeah, blunderbuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> knows what a blunderbuss is based gun. on. Based on no, yes, it's an Elmer. It's a cartoon guy. Based, based on Elmer Fudd. Uh, it's an Elmer Fudd. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. It, that's the what one we where the barrel at the end goes. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's what we had in our minds when we write that in, and we and we call it a blunderbuss. Yeah, we've written that. And we got and on the day we get we get these guns there. They look like actual rifles, and we're like, well, this isn't this ain't funny. Ain't funny. Like, no, no, Elmer but this Fudd is what they then. actually used in 1776. Yeah, we're yeah, like, yeah. I don't fucking care. <laughs> we don't give a shit. <laughs> bring us what we wrote in the script. And they're like, dickheads, this is what you wrote in the script. And we're like, well, don't bring us what we were thinking. <laughs> there is a lot of that. Yeah, there is yeah, a lot yeah. of that. Our poor, no, what we're thinking. Our poor, <laughs> no, what we're thinking. People. Don't bring us what we asked for. Right, because didn't, didn't we de determine that there were no actual guns no. made with quite the dimensions that Elmer that Fudd <laughs> So we had to, yeah, we had yeah, to manufacture it. we wanted it. those FUD dimensions, but I mean, we could have built one. We could have had well, there, there, there was also another incident uh, with, with this episode where where we were saying we want Cricket's head to explode in a very specific way. Well, do you remember what the reference was? Uh, I do. But okay. at the time, do you remember? we yeah. were like, we, we know exactly what we want it to be. We want, we want it to explode in a billion pieces. Uh -huh. And they're like, well, that just can't be done. And we were like, well... No, we, we've seen no, it in the David movie. David Cronenberg did it in the 1970s. <laughs> yeah, so. so we saw it in scanners, and yeah. we were like, make it like We want a like scanners this. explosion. Yeah, and I mean, I, so no, but for the audience, anybody who's, you know, David Cronenberg fan, certainly, but if you have seen the movie Scanners, there is a very famous scene where- We should where, put that in the right here. I believe it's yeah, Michael Ironside's in. head. Oh, is it? Oh. Or maybe Ironside's doing it. I can't remember. Ironside's involved in some way. <laughs> Love that guy. Uh, very broad shoulders. I worked with him on a him community and Brian episode. Dennehy. 
What's he that? He was guy? in one of my community episodes. He's terrific. He told great stories about some movie he was on with like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That, oh, that well, Total Recall. Yeah, Total Recall. Total Recall. Yeah, he was yeah. talking about being in a oh, yeah, room. Totally. He's great in Total Recall. And they just the cigarette smoke, like that they would, to, in order to get the room smoky back then to like shoot with atmosphere, not only did they <laughs> used to smoke, but there used to be buckets of cigarettes just like smoking <laughs> into the room yeah. to like get it. Okay. Like that. Well, that's <laughs> ridiculous because smoke machines definitely existed. <laughs> but that's like apropos to what we're talking about here. So we were, so we were saying, great, make it look like scanners. And the visual, the special effects guys were like, we can't do that. And we were like, what are you talking about? It's 30 years later. And they're like, well, no, the way that they got that, because we yes. wound up, there's a couple of takes that we actually did where the head, I think we had three heads and the two takes did not work because the pyrotechnic just didn't work. It just kind of we like, just like fell ah, apart. We got, just, we got and our special effects guy was like, look, the way that they did that, because he researched it, was the guy came in with a shotgun yeah. and yeah, right off camera just yeah, blew just the head away with a shotgun. And we were shotgun. like, let's do that. And he was like, we can't do that. <laughs> we, it's, not, it's not the 1970s. So at the same time when they were burning cigarettes on yeah, sets, yeah, they were taking shotguns. shotguns. So yeah, yeah, just yeah. hot guns. Live rounds. And live rounds on set, blowing heads up. Probably had a cigarette in his mouth while sure. he was doing it. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, sure. So how did we, I don't remember, and we were, by the way, that was the how first time we? we shot with the Phantom. That well, was, we, we that like, was the first time we shot so with the Phantom camera. So he upped the load. The first one was like 30%. And so then it was like loves. 60%. And then he put in like, and we had everybody had to leave and put on ear protection and shit. And he essentially just, blew, I mean, he blew the thing up with like the yes. force of. And it was. Is that, if that's funny. Yeah. My memory, he shot it with a shotgun. Now. Yeah. Right. Now. Right. Now in scanners, uh, I believe, I, I, I feel like the face, like it explodes, but the face actually like flaps uh-huh. in a, like a really interesting way. We Wh- never which we have, which we have in here. I have. What do you mean? Uh, oh, the, the, the horns bone. And I shall make sure that all of you are safe from the mighty sword of Britain. Oh, shit! God damn it, Frank! You just ruined my whole life! Wait, wait, wait! Check his pulse! He doesn't have a head! Yeah, a good chunk of it yeah, flies off the side, but... Well, you then you see an eye, you get a great eyeball, yeah. just an eyeball goes You like, know, part of the shame of it, though, is like having to use the different camera just to get the slow shot, so then it, it jumps yeah. so much... That I feel like it's a little less surprising. It's still fun because well, you're like part of how r- silly it looks. Yeah, you can yeah, definitely yeah. see that it's a. It's oh a, yeah. yeah, and there's also a the, yeah, there's a, then there's Charlie a frame being like, "Well, check his pulse." And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's literally a spurt of blood that comes yeah. out of his neck at that check moment. His pulse. Yeah. Check his pulse. Wait, 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 wait. Check his pulse. Check his pulse. That was in the script. That, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that was scripted. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Speaking of effects. How did you guys get Rob's wooden teeth to make that noise? Oh, first of all, yeah, the, the, your, your wooden teeth acting. Yeah, your acting is in general amazing. in this episode your acting is, is amazing. One That's of your best good. episodes, I, I think. Totally like, agree. You've had many, many good ones, but I think this is one of your best. The two of you guys together, all those scenes. Those sons of liberty, sons of bitches, Dennis. Those guys are going to get us into so much trouble. Let's do this. No, 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 no. You hang back. What? Me? Why? Because we need to get as much intel from these guys as we possibly can for that Colonel Cricket. Yeah. This pop thing's gonna totally blow our cover. What's going on with your mouth? Oh, I got some wooden teeth put Did in. Did you? Yeah, well, all the Patriots are doing it, including Washington, which is why it makes sense, okay, if we're going undercover. Not this FOP bullshit. No, the FOP thing's good, man. I got a plan with it. Yeah, I got an angle. Fine, okay, let's just... You let me take the lead, okay? Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Son of a bitch. But yeah, the wooden teeth is such a funny. How did bit. you? Do, how did you do there, the whistle? There, that's not actually teeth. There's no teeth in there. It's my teeth, just painted. Painted brown. So I was just doing it with like a, a I mean, like a whistle. But are you but making I mean, that whistle noise? Yeah. Can you we just add do that? some yes. whistles? And then, and then we would add. Too. Yeah. So that's exactly right. So I. So we'd Can have you to do say it like. Now? Yeah. So what? What were some of the? So like some of the lines, <laughs> and then we would. And then what I did was in post. I just went like. Oh, and, they just, and then we would just drop oh, it in. Drop I don't see. I don't remember that. So yeah. yeah, it's so good. It's so yeah. You just like, you listen, what are we talking bitch. about here? I mean, that's yes. fucking. I can't do that. <laughs> the combination of that guy and then your fop in that first scene where you go to the revolutionaries and then you're like, what are we talking about? And you're like, surrender. surrender. <laughs> I think the whistle's yeah. making the whole, yeah, the, the whistle's the whole thing. Yeah, so, no, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the whole thing making it work. As uh, my old trainer, Matt Vincy, playing the, uh, uh, one of the Patriots, I used to oh, work out with. Right. Um, play, he, he seems like a Patriot. He seems like a real Patriot. Yeah, in real life, he's, he, you think he's a big Patriot? And um, so he just comes off like a Patriot? Because he say, is one? Yeah, he seems like he could kick butt for America. You know, <laughs> square jaw. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, just a where you guys seem like traitors and fops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. Did it take longer to shoot this episode? Probably. I, I, there's I think no it way took we longer because we had to redress the whole bar. Yeah, which was a big deal. But once it was dressed, once the sets were all built, it wasn't. It wasn't super complicated. Where'd you shoot all that stuff that was like out in the marketplace and stuff? Um, Lacey Street Studios. And it was uh, not a nice studio. No. Um, kind of rough around the edges. And we just brought in the dirt and the chickens, but they had a yes. lot of like brick and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, all that stuff had to be built. It had to be, you know, and yeah. enough of it to where we could do an actual walk and talk. Didn't we shoot, we, didn't we shoot some of it in um, Pasadena? Yes, and then right. you guys yeah. going down the alleyway where Dave G kind of cornered you, yeah. corner yeah. you guys. That's yes. an alleyway in Pasadena. Pasadena, and then and then and then we shot in front of Patty's, and then we shot in front of Patty's, and uh, we, we just put dirt down, and yeah. that was, way, was a green screen. green screen. I was watching the movie Judgment Night last night, sure. and there is absolutely a sh- there's a shot of, of like, when the when the bar, when the the RV breaks down in that movie. It's right next to it's. They drive right by Patty's. You know, it's another good classic like downtown movie is Repo Man, and yeah. it's all like the streets where we shoot Sunny. Emilio Estevez only shot nights, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, is it, is it night? Is it downtown LA? I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> uh, um, are there any but, small ducks involved? Are they mighty? Um, <laughs> uh, Dave G. Our Dave buddy G, Dave yeah. G, who had already been in an episode because he mm-hmm. was in um, The Gang Sells Out. He plays somebody who works at the Oldies Rock Cafe. He's played a number of characters. Well, so he played the Oldies Rock Cafe guy with the, mm-hmm. he had like a little thing. And he is given D the resume, right? Yep. Is that uh-huh. right? Yeah. And then we brought him back for the Liberty Bell. He plays the the Cockney guy who yep. accosts us. And He's credited as Thug. 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 Okay. Uh, and then he comes back again. So back Dave's again. played three characters on the yeah. show. Dave G. That's got to that be a record. Oh, and then also uh, the courtyard where you guys go to meet David for the first time and you bring him the ale. That was in Altadena. Yeah, that was in La Cunada. Oh. Oh. That was in La Cunada. Oh. It was like at an old, like, kind of mansion Wait, thing. do you know, are you sure that that was in La Cunada? Yeah. Was it, was it like a gated community? Is La Cunada near Altadena? Yeah, they're close. Yeah. Okay, because I thought it was Altadena. Yeah, it's up that way. Okay. See, I had a memory, and maybe this was actually a different episode. This might have been the gang... This might have been the gang gets trapped in the closet, but maybe if you guys remember this, um, a very famous person lived. That was trapped in the closet. That though. was trapped that, in the closet, okay. and that's down off Wilshire. Boulevard. Okay, yeah, that's over. Okay, so we'll, we'll save we'll save that. Jesus, for a guy who doesn't remember much, he, he remembers, remembers a lot. Charlie's on top of it. I'm clear. I'm clear. <laughs> well, he's, you know why? Because it's near the golf course. That uh, that house is near the golf course, which and he one? remembers the, the one on Wilshire. One? No, the one on Wilshire. Did you take? And a by the way, so is the La Cunada. Did you take a limitless pill this morning? <laughs> Are you, you limitless? limitless? <laughs> I have no limits this morning. What else do you want to remember? <laughs> Glenn, you look like you've been working out. Oh, man. Thanks, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, I'm always working out, you know, so I'm not sure if you just now noticing is like a compliment or mm. not. Um, I've, been, I've been working out a lot, too. <laughs> yeah. You're the sort of person that needs to do that. To feel good about themselves. What are you guys wearing to work out these days? What are you What are you looking good in? Mainly, I'm looking for versatility and comfortability. All right, oh. something that will fit any workout I might be doing that day. Maybe running, I might be swimming, training, or yoga, and that's why I love the core shorts from Viore. Oh, oh my god, the Viore shorts! Yeah, yeah, guys, I don't go anywhere near the gym without my Viores. I mean, I, I love them. They look and they and they feel great as you move in them. Plus, you know what I love? Their products are made from sustainable materials and offsets a hundred percent of its carbon and plastic footprint, so you can feel great about what you're wearing. Viore is an investment in your happiness. Yep. For our listeners, they are offering twenty percent off your first purchase. Guys, get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at Viore.com slash sunny pod yeah that's v-u-o-r-i dot com slash sunny pod uh you get 20 percent off your first purchase uh but enjoy free shipping on any u.s orders over 75 dollars and free returns you know if it doesn't fit goes back free go to viore.com slash sunny pod and discover the versatility of that viore clothing man mm. 
We're brought to you this week by Shopify for when you're ready to launch your thing into the spotlight. And here to attest are three guys we uh, who we all know because they launched their thing into the spotlight. Yep, that that's right. right. We it launched does. our, yeah, we thing launched our things into the spotlight. spotlight. No, let's, no. I don't know. Well, we did our television show, and, and everybody is familiar with that origin story by now. But I have to say, if we did it again, we might launch ourselves onto a different platform. Ooh, a different platform like Shopify? Absolutely. It's been a good run on cable, but I feel like culture is shifting towards a platform ethos like Shopify. You create a store based on your own vibe, discover new customers that dig your vibe, and grow a following that keeps coming back week in and week out. Yeah, plus Shopify has all the sales channels sorted to keep your business growing from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, or Instagram. Launching our thing into the spotlight has always been a dream from a very young age, but I will say uh, it has its share of pitfalls and learning curves. It would have been a lot easier with Shopify's 24-7 support and free libraries of educational content. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone, anywhere. And every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale on Shopify. Let's just jump to it. You know what? Sign up for a free trial today at shopify.com slash sunny, all lowercase. Yep. yep. Go to shopify.com slash sunny to start selling online today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash sunny. You know, right now, we're writing the show again. Yeah. We just started. We just started writing the show again. We just started. When's this? I don't know when this podcast is going to air. This is coming out next Monday. Yeah. Okay. okay. So So we will. uh, We're on day two of writing. Um, And Rob Rozell and Scott Martyr are back this year in the writer's room, um, which is really exciting. Very Very exciting. exciting. Very exciting. I will say when I look up at that list of episodes, I think we've discussed this. You guys feel the same way that um, the closer they are to the present, the uh, the the least I remember them. I remember the fr- I could name you every episode from seasons one through three or four, and then then it starts to get. And then the closer it gets to I, I like season fourteen, I have no idea. But is that because we just rewatched them for the podcast? I don't do think, think so. I think it's because we spent so much more time making them because we were figuring out what the show was. Yeah, I I think it was a much more all-consuming experience in the early years because you're figuring it out. Yeah. And everything matters. Every decision is You've also lived with the older ones longer, right? So like whatever, Gang Cracks the Liberty Bell has been discussed and quoted and talked about, you know, for a longer period of time. There's been memes. There's been, they've been sort of like put into society in a way that like last year- you know, the one with the monkey, you know, is, it's just newer. It's just not been in your life as, as long. So like, I remember. Yeah, but I think, I I think, I I mean, personally, I think it it has more to do with sort of where you're at in life where you're, you know, it's, it's like. Yeah. Like you got a lot more going on now too. Like. uh, Children. Children, multiple shows versus what we were all. Pouring everything. Our whole life was, was a show. We poured, we were pouring absolutely everything into it and it, and it, and it took, longer because yeah we mm-hmm. were figuring it out so so i think that's why because every, every decision felt monumental this period that we're in right now in the writer's room is my favorite part the blue skying at the beginning it's always the most fun because you're just like throwing a bunch of so weird explain, ideas yeah, anything, anything, anything can happen anything goes. Anything explain goes. the audience what, what what that is yeah that so blue skying so the first like what we usually only do like a week of this on sunny but on most shows the first couple weeks you just throw out episode ideas so it could be like little tiny ideas like full full fully formed episodes. I used to do that when I prepared more for my first day, but now you guys can't fire me. So I come in with like half ideas. <laughs> so like, I don't know this, but, but then, what, yeah. what you find is no matter what, you're eventually responsible for your lack of preparation in the beginning, because sure, then, then you have, you got to make up for it over the course of the next But it's months. fun. Cause then like, so Rob was sitting in with uh, index cards and any idea that you guys liked, he would just write it down and we'd put it up on the board. So then there's all these cards up on the board that might have ideas like, well, the Judgment Night thing that you guys got on too, mm-hmm. and you were really excited about for next year. Or, <laughs> well, that's, or that'd be interesting to off. talk about. Yeah. So why? So why did we get into Judgment Night? We got into Judge, Judgment Night because of relevance. We were talking about being relevant and our music choices being relevant, and yeah. we talked about how the Judgment Night soundtrack was a seminal experience <laughs> for people over the age of forty-four. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was like a huge album. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah. It was. It was one of those. It was one of those albums. It was like that and like the Crow 
soundtrack. <laughs> Dangerous you know I mean? Minds. Dangerous Minds. I mean, like a couple of soundtracks back in the day that that really cut through and and, and had like a, a huge cultural impact. I don't so know. So that I got us talking about Cypress Hill. Right. And singing <laughs> yeah. Cypress Hill songs. And then well, half the room was like, who, who's what Cypress Hill? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, not half our room. Half our room's all old. Well, Megan. Uh, there were a couple Nina. things where Nina was turning to me. She was like, I, Nina was like, Davis. She, Davis, yeah. I think maybe that's why sometimes when we go through these episodes and I ask you where the ideas came from, it's so hard to remember specifically because it is so amorphous in a writer's room. Like where I like that judgment night thing might turn into an episode that you could never believe started with a conversation about the judgment night soundtrack and then became something, something else completely right. like different. We could yeah. lose the whole judgment night thing exactly. totally, but it inspires something. I mean, also like yeah, it was interesting. We're talking about that and like in judgment night, they've rented like a Winnebago and they're trying to get to a boxing match and they pull over because traffic's bad and then they're like in a bad neighborhood and then they like see a murder and then they're like you know it's like a very kind of genre based like fight your way out of yeah out of hell kind of thing but like i don't know that there's there's such a problem with homelessness and there was something interesting about the idea of like literally driving around in like a second home yeah <laughs> you know yeah and then trying to cut through like a homeless encampment yeah uh-huh. in your home yeah in, in, your, your, home. <laughs> in your mobile second home <laughs> so what like, if instead of committing the murder or instead of seeing the murder we think we've committed the murder and we have to like get run we have over to, a homeless person yeah. with your other home and then and we then have to like, get out of here <laughs> well like well that that's how it, that that is what happens in in judgment night um sort of i mean to say he's not a homeless guy but he's like running hit, for help and they, they hit, hit a guy yeah, that yeah, was yeah. just shot but that was an accident he, yeah you know it was a total accident and then they they rescue the guy thinking that it's because they hit him and then they discover that he's been shot and then they find like money on him and they're like oh shit what is what are we about to get wrapped up in? And then Dennis Leary shows up, and doesn't he 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 <laughs> finishes him off? Doesn't he finish him off? Shoot him in the head? Yeah, yeah. he sure does. I mean, he really, you know, got his career to an interesting place from stand up, right? Where he got to do like dramatic stuff, and yeah, well, he's a good, he's a good actor. I yeah, I, I wonder. Yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to actually. I I don't know if he started as an actor because some people like you 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 think that they were stand ups, right. but they actually were actors first, and then they just happened to do stand up. Like, you know, I think p- for people who don't know that, like Robin Williams went to Juilliard, they're like, oh, he was a stand up comedian, and then he became an actor. And I was like, no, he was an actor first, then he started doing stand up because he was so funny. I, I do remember. I I, I think it was. Uh, maybe the last season of Rescue Me, and we saw Dennis Leary. I don't remember if you, I think we were all there. And we ran into Dennis Leary in a hallway. I think it was at a TCA event oh, or yeah. something. Yeah, and, right. he was, and he was like right. very effusive. In the bowels and, of the TCA. Yeah. yeah and so and, and, and he, was, he was super nice and effusive. Yeah. And, and, and it was really cool. Because I, one of my first, God, was it my first? No, I think it was my second on-camera gig. It might be offensive, but in it wasn't offensive at the time. Was this the job? It, it was definitely offensive at the time, but it's didn't it we talk about was. this? The job, yeah, yeah. So, it? so I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. So, yeah, it was it was a, a show that Dennis Leary did. It was a half hour comedy, but it was about cops, and it was called The Job, and I believe it was on ABC. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember auditioning, to, <laughs> going into this audition to play um, a gay uh, wedding planner. And I remember I didn't know I was like I, I I didn't know like sort of tonally what they were going for with this. So so I remember going into the audition and and again this is this is a part that was like I don't even know if saying this would be considered offensive, but I was just trying to get a performance note from the casting director and from the director and the people that were there. I was like, how gay are we talking? Like uh, like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, give me a give me a range. You know, like how cartoonish? How yeah, much kinda. of a stereotype are we looking for? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, but that was. Do we want to make the situation better or worse? <laughs> just <laughs> socially. Yes. Okay. Yes. Am I making fun of this entire right. group of? Uh, yeah. No, yeah. I no. It was literally. I was like. I was like. I just did. Just draw. You know. Uh, one. But you be- were basing him on a real person. Well, okay. That's so. Yes, that is actually true. But that okay. That came after they said like I was like on a scale. of, you know, on a scale of one to 10, you know, how, how effeminate do you want this man to be? Uh, and they were like, an 11. What? And I was like, an 11. 
are you sure? Uh, and they were <laughs> like, all yeah. a bunch of straight people in a room being like, let's go for yeah, it. Yeah, go, go for it. Let's for just it. I think they just wanted to see what an 11 was. Sure. You know what I mean? Since I asked, they were like, well, since you asked, you know, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, shot, let's see what you got. <laughs> <laughs> What's your 11? Uh, so I gave him an 11 and it was, and it was, to be fair, Totally and one hundred percent based on uh, a, a guy that that uh, was in the dance division at Juilliard at the same time as me. Yep, as taught by Benjamin Harcarby. Uh, yeah, yes, uh, rest in peace. All right, um, and so I was basically like, I'm just going to do that because um, that's an eleven. So then when I, they were like, they, they were all they loved were it. They like, wow, wow. Okay. I, 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 yeah, I, I think they. I think. I, I, well, I got, they hired me, so they, they, they must have liked it. Um, it. And then when I went, when I actually shot it, I went prepared to like fully be that guy. And th- when I started shooting it, actually, they were like, they were like, they had me dial it back. So oh. what's in that show is actually like dialed back. a seven. Okay. That's a seven. Rob, what are you playing your gay character at? Me? Yeah. A three? Oh, uh, <laughs> at, at, as a stereotype? Yeah. No, yeah. A, zero, a, stero- a zero. I'm playing at zero. Very- well, so that's Real. the question, right? I mean, you know, because uh, you can you can definitely see it as a stereotype, you know. Uh, but I, I was playing essentially a real human being that I had met and encountered and yes. talked to and was you know friendly with. So this was a person that I knew. This is a real human being that I was yes. basing this on. So stereotype, yeah, you could see it that way for sure. So you're, you're saying that. Oftentimes, stereotypes are 100% true. Well, that's true, isn't it? Right. Not for whole groups of people, but sometimes for individual for people. For individual people, individual yes. Individual people, yes. Yeah, you can yeah. Find. yeah, I'm not saying it's right to portray them that way. I'm not even saying that my performance was was completely dialed in, you know, uh, in that in that sense. But, you know, for clarification, I was playing a real human being. Yes. <laughs> but when you were on that show, were you a big fan of Dennis Leary before you got there? Was he one of your, like, comedy... Did you grow up like watching comedians and like coming in that way, or was it just the acting thing? And then you found comedy. It was both. I mean, I, I at the time I was, I, yeah, no, I I didn't consider myself a comedy person at all. I mean, I I knew I liked doing comedy. I felt like you know amongst my group of friends, maybe I was I was funny, and but I had a lot of super funny friends. And as as I think you've pointed out with like your buddies in Philly, you feel like you're the least funny person of all yeah. your friends, and yet you've made a career out of it. Uh, I often feel that way where I'm like, I have so many friends that are so much funnier than me. And yet somehow I've made a career. I didn't grow up watching. Did you grow up watching a lot of standup? Yeah, lots of standup. How did you access it? Um, it was on Comedy Central. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't com- have cable. It oh, okay. Comedy Central. Kid. And also um, I used to watch SNL and then <laughs> after SNL was um, uh, Showtime at the Apollo. Oh, oh Showtime, yeah. I yeah, Showtime yeah, yeah. at the Apollo. And I used to watch that a lot, which yeah, was same. great. And then- I guess they um, would start with the standup. Yeah, they right. started, they did some stand up and some different acts and stuff. Um, oh, there was so, um, but, Star Search. Star yeah. Search. But my, that's where I saw Sinbad. That's where Sinbad came out of Star yeah. Search. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was a big fan of stand up, so he used to play comedy records like Bill Cosby and oh, like George yeah, yeah, Carlin yeah, I and all those. stuff. Richard, the old Richard Pryor and Bill and Cosby. Records. Then I used to read their books. Like I, I went through this phase where I would like go to the library and like check out any book that was written by like a stand-up comedian. I would like read. So I read like Tim Allen's book and like I read Dennis Leary's book, the one about Nyquil. Yeah, I probably read that one too. Chris Rock's book. Nyquil is in the title of the book. He had like a whole a whole act that was based on Nyquil and how much he loved Nyquil. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did. I did though. I I did. I I admired him tremendously because I I had seen his standup. I wasn't like a huge standup fan, but I I knew enough. And I did. I remember him standing out to me in a major way. The first time I ever saw him on MTV, I was like, holy shit, this guy is something else. Like he is really funny. On the top of their game and you watch them firing on all cylinders in front of a crowd. It, but then it's he, pretty compelling. It's amazing. But then he yeah. also had a stand-up special that really put him on the map. I think it was called No Cure for Cancer. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. The stand-up act, yeah. Where he's smoking the whole time. He's smoking yeah. the whole time. And it's hilarious. It's fucking amazing. And so I knew him from that. And then um, I don't think at the time I really knew his acting stuff that much, but I just admired him as a, as a performer. So, yeah, it was exciting. It was cool. Think he still smokes? I don't think he does, no. I, I don't know. Dennis, you still smoking, pal? <laughs> it's time. It's time. But the stop smoking thing, like, it reminds me of, I, I recently saw an article about a guy 
I can't remember where it was, but who hadn't taken a bath in like 65 years. Yeah, the, the, oh, yeah. and then they Dirty convinced him to do it, and he died like a few <laughs> he took days a bath later. And died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you do think about that. You're like, okay, let's say a person like ate bacon, like just tons of bacon and like smoked yeah, a ton boy. of cigarettes and like all this stuff for their entire life. And then if they make a change, like do, does your body become so acclimated I to th- that one way of well, living? Well, I think so. I think yeah. if you don't wean it, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. He, he, maybe he shouldn't have taken a full on bath. Maybe just like walk through the rain first, you know? Sure. Or like just like, wash your hands. Yeah, wash your hands. <laughs> yeah, wash your hands. Right, right, right. Hey guys, um, the Always Sunny podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever wish life came with an owner's manual like your vehicle? Do you struggle to understand why you're feeling feelings? We should all be feeling feelings every day, but sometimes they get overwhelming. And unfortunately, there is no owner's manual for them. But BetterHelp Online Therapy is basically the next best thing. But the thing is, it's true because therapists, you know, therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills, you know, which makes therapy the closest thing to an owner's manual of you. Therapy is helpful in all regards and BetterHelp has connected millions with licensed therapists. It's convenient, accessible anywhere and entirely online. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. All you got to do, just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It could not be simple. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Sunny. That's right. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Sunny. This is going back to something we were talking about earlier, but it's interesting to me to ask you guys. So none of you have ever been in a writer's room as a writer for somebody else's show, right? No. no. So you've never done a blue skying, like just pitching ideas to somebody else's thing, or have you, know, you done that? We did, I did pop into the writer's room a few times uh, when Roselle, Marta and Roselle, when we produced Unsupervised. Yes. And that's the one time I've ever spent some time in a writer's room where I was like breaking stories and 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 talking about story ideas on somebody else's show, even though I was an EP on the show. But uh, other than that, no. It's, it's interesting that like none of you have ever- It's hard. I, I did that with them too. And I'd be like, I think we should go there. And they're like, no, we should go somewhere else. I'm like, mm. <sighs> but it seems like, I know like, we should go there. And well, it's like, like, well it's, no, it's, we're going this direction. I'm it, like, mm, but that. Well, it's like if you started out as the lead singer songwriter in a band, right? And mm-hmm. then somebody said, hey, come in and sing backup vocals for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and you went in and you're like, well, well, we'll sing it like this. And they're like, well, no, you're doing backup. So you just, you're like. <sighs> I don't know if it's analogous to that because you're, <laughs> you, you are contributing. It would be like if someone's like, it would be like uh, Simon and Garfunkel. And, and Simon's like, well, this is the way we've been doing it. And Art, you've been helping out with the songwriting, but we're going to do it like this. And then one day, Art Garfunkel's like, no, we're going to do it like this. this and then Paul way. Simon's like, goodbye. <laughs> Gar fuck off. <laughs> Gar fuck yourself. Gar fuck yourself. <laughs> That's better. Um, it's just interesting to me because like, you guys are great showrunners to work for. And, um, and yeah, and, uh, they're not paying me to say this. Um, but, uh, but, but you would think that that would come because you've worked in rooms and you know how to treat people fairly because you've been, but it's just interesting that like you guys have never been on that side of it and still treat people with like respect and dignity when they're in the room. Well, maybe why we treat people with respect and dignity. Maybe. You know, I I think it, it, it could be that, you know, if you come out of years of being demoralized by a showrunner, you know, and then you finally get your shot. You're like, I, 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 I find that more often than not that people, if they haven't gone through something, if they've been mistreated, they tend to mistreat. Yeah. Maybe that's that. Because they've either, that's the way that they've learned or because they truly feel like now this is. I think it's often it's just I've, who you are, right? I've it's never like been you're mistreated like on, on a show or, or like, you know, like on a movie or like in a writer's room. I don't think I would take it very well. I got, I've been mistreated, but not like abused in any like real way. Not in the way that a lot of people have been mistreated in this I got, business. I got, uh, have I told the story of working with that director on Fargo where with the props? 
No. Did I have told this story? Mm-mm. No. Okay. So I, I, I've been extremely lucky too. I've, I haven't really run into too many problems on, on sets with like jerks or, or somebody being a jerk to me. And I very much, very much don't, wouldn't take it well. And I knew that I wouldn't take it well. And luckily I'd never encountered it. So I never had to deal with it. But I was uh, working on an episode of Fargo and there was a director who just, you know, I, I don't know. He, he, Whatever. Anyway, there, we were setting up a scene. I, well, I was going to, yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, I, he's I, there. I, I, I put he's, t- there. <laughs> he's there right now. If you were to take his blood pressure, it would be <laughs> through the roof. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, now, what does fucker say? What, what does what yeah. this guy Well, so it was a scene uh, with me and, and Billy Bob, and I had to uh, do a thing where, okay. So the scene was I had to use one of those, like, you know, those voice modulators that you put, like, on the phone to modulate your voice or like this or whatever. So my character is supposed to take this voice modulator, put it on the phone, dial, dial the phone and call someone and use the thing, you know? So we're in the rehearsal and, you know, we're like, well, let me rehearse this with the props just cause you know, I want to make sure that it all like, so it's not goofy, you know? So I have the voice modulator in one hand and then I've got to grab the receiver. It was one of those phones where the numbers were, on the thing. So this thing was kind of big and then I've got the receiver in this hand and I was like, you know, and I, and, and, and this is a rehearsal like in front of the crew. Like, I don't think the whole crew was there, but there were people watching the rehearsal, you know? And I was like, Oh, you know what? This is a little awkward. Cause I'm not sure how I'm supposed, if I've already got this in my hand, uh, you know, how, how am I supposed to dial the phone, you know, like with this thing in my hand. And he was like, you've never dialed a phone before. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> and I oh, changed buddy. immediately because I knew what that meant. You know, that's, that's not a, that's not a real question, Yeah. you know? So I think that's what I said to him. I was like, is that a real question? <laughs> oh, boy. And he was like, yeah. he was like, just, you just dial the phone as you would any other phone. And I was like, you've misunderstood my question. I have something in both hands. My fingers are occupied. So what I'm saying that you've misunderstood is how am I supposed to dial a phone with fingers that I don't have. Do you understand my question now? <laughs> yeah, nice. And this guy was like, and this guy was like, who the fuck does this guest star? Like that was, I could tell that was what he was thinking. He was like, who the fuck is this guest star? I think he is. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, motherfucker, I'll walk off this set. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. No, see, we respond to that fuck. differently because, like, my response would be like, "Okay, I'll figure it out." Like, I just want to pull, like make no, you like, pleased and happy. I was happy. like, "No, you explain it." You explain it because because you seem to understand how a man can a man with no fingers can use his fingers to dial a phone. So you explain it to me and the whole fucking crew right now, you prick. <laughs> Ma- but Meg, to dickhead. your point, I get I get when you say like you want to you want to you you want to make a you want to make the environment as peaceful as possible. Yeah. But if someone comes at you with that level of disdain or aggression, would you respond the same way? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's two, like for me, I'm trying to get better at it, but there's usually two options. One is appease and like get the situation back to peace, however quickly we can do that, or burst into tears and then leave. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but and so you, those are the yeah. two options. But you would, you would and have removed yourself from the situation, thought on it, and then eventually acted and called bad yeah. behavior out. And which is to say, like, you, you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't completely take it. T- you might take it in the moment, but that doesn't mean you're totally going to take no, it. You have different I, triggers too, yeah. right? Like for some reason, I my biggest trigger uh, when it comes to that kind of thing is if somebody tries to like, and I, I'm, I'm better about it now than I used to be when I was younger. I real fucking temper about this. But like if anybody tried to humiliate me, yeah. certainly, it, even, if it, even if it wasn't in front of other people, but certainly if it was like in front of people, that would nothing would set me off more than like you know somebody trying to humiliate me because that's that, what it felt like. It felt like he was trying to humiliate. He wanted to humiliate me, happen. and I was like, <laughs> I have had that happen. And at the time, like I didn't do anything about it. But you know what has helped me now is like just having enough wins, like having the confidence of looking back and like in particular, I'm remembering a showrunner that I I was on set with one of the episodes that I'd written and the showrunner wasn't on set. And when we first screened the episode, the editor's cut in the writer's room, 
this showrunner w- didn't like it and said to me in front of the whole writer's uh, room, is this what you think TV is? No, no, seriously, is this what you think TV is supposed to be like? Tell me right now that this is what you think that TV is supposed to be. Like, this is what you think it's supposed to be like. And just kept hammering me on that. And I was like, I don't even know what you don't like about it. Like, but then I, but I was really nervous because I was like, oh, I fucked up the episode and and it's already been shot, so we can't do anything about it. Hated. I was, I immediately was like, you should humiliate me because I ruined it. And so felt like that until the episode aired. And then it was like one of the most popular episodes of the show ever. (laughs) So then now I have the confidence of looking back at moments like that and going like, well, consider the source. Like, do you think this person is the end all be all of knowing everything about what TV is? If so, then you can feel shame for what, but so that that's helped. But like at the beginning, yeah. I mean, I also, even as a guest star, you were like famous enough or, or, or successful enough that you felt like I can walk out of here and still have a career. But I was like, you know, a young writer on a staff. I was like, I can't be like, fuck you. I'll like walk no. out of this room. Yeah. I think I know so, to, to be yeah. fair. I think sure, if yeah, there's time and place for it. Yeah. I think if I wasn't in the position, if I, if I needed, if I desperately needed that job, I might've been able to, to I might've just swallowed it a little bit in that moment, but, uh, but knowing that I didn't. Yeah. But I bet it ended right after that exchange, right? Like it, it shut him down. Yeah. Well, that's what happened. Because bullies. that's what he yeah, actually with bullies, right? Because th- he it's became like, very nice after that. Of course, they actually. don't bully a guy like you, especially if they know, Oh, this guy's not going to take it. Yeah. They bully someone like Megan who's in her first year. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, you know, famous directors who you've heard have like terrible tempers and you see like clips of them, like freaking out on, somebody on set and you're like, well, they're not freaking out on the guy that can kick the living shit out of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, bu- it's, bu- it's bully writ large. But to bring it, bring it around back to like this episode and taking big swings and stuff. I think that the real shame of doing stuff like that, of trying to humiliate somebody or like being like a shitty boss is that you like, you kind of suffocate that person's ability to just like try things. You got to kick around some bad ideas to get to a good one. Also, my half idea might merge with somebody else's half idea and then become like, but if I never say it out loud, it never. I feel like no, almost there, every well, episode of our show is, yeah, is has like been a that. result of like some weird conversation about like, you know, some fucking dumb. There moment. is a balance though, right? Like if you feel all your pitches are going over like a lead balloon. Sure. Then you should probably should pick up on that and be like, all right, well, let me. Let me think through these a little bit more before I pitch them. Right? Yeah. Like, but yeah. Well, but, I'm yeah. trying to certainly pitch sunny ideas to you guys, not like any random idea that I, you know, I try to right. t- tailor it to the people that I'm pitching to. And yeah. I feel like I know you guys a little bit now. So I was a little <laughs> bit successful uh, yesterday in the writer's room. I feel like I got no, some things on note cards. No, really no? okay. No. Right, I'll try again. Yeah. No. <laughs> And is that, well, a lot of them, I'm, I'm thinking like, is that what you think television is? Yeah. Is this yeah. really what you think TV is? Yeah. We should uh-huh. pull that out at some point today. Speaking of writing Speaking of writing, it's 10.15. We have to go. Write the show. Let's go write the show. Write the show.